Welcome to podcast number 88 of My Favorite Detective Stories. Today's date is February 11th, 2020, and I'm your host, John A. Hoda. My guest today is Michael Julian. Mike is the CEO and president of MPS Security and Protection, a division of National Business Investigations, Inc., founded in 1967 by his father, Ron Julian. The company provides corporate executive protection, threat and risk mitigation, and security. Michael is licensed in multiple states as a private investigator and security professional and is a graduate of the executive Protection Institute and Executive Security International. He sits on board of directors and is a member of several national and international industry associations. His security training includes behavioral threat assessment, active shooter survival, executive and asset protection, self-defense, defensive and evasive driving, close protection, aviation security, protective surveillance, and counter-surveillance covert protection. Besides active shooter, he frequently teaches training courses in executive and asset protection. In 2014, Michael created the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Program and began teaching his active shooter survival philosophy throughout the United States. His book on the subject, 10 Minutes to Live, Using a Live to Survive an Active Shooter, was published in 2017. In 2019, the long-awaited online version of the Alive training program was launched and is now part of Corporate Employee Security Training Program for companies throughout the world. In mid-2019, the first Alive instructor certification course was held at the Alive corporate headquarters in Southern California, creating several new qualified instructors to present the program. Michael is now a keynote speaker at conferences, but still teaches the course to select businesses, public utilities, agencies, medical, and educational institutions throughout the world. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Mike Julian today. Welcome to My Favorite Detective Stories. My Favorite Detective Stories features successful private investigators. They offer insights into their careers and advice to those just starting out or to those who are struggling. You will learn from the best. Of course, we cannot finish the show without asking them to share their favorite detective story. On alternating weeks, you will hear from crime fiction writers who discuss their latest books and what makes their fictional detectives tick. Throughout my investigative career spanning five decades, I cannot think of a time that I didn't have a good crime novel on my coffee table or bedstand. We will also talk about their favorite authors as well. As a working investigator, coach, and writer, I hope to bring inspiration, information, and entertainment in the areas that interest me most. Gather around my campfire as I invite you to listen in. This episode is brought to you by my recently published books for private investigators. How to launch your private investigation business. How to market your private investigation business. And how to boost your private investigation business. They also appear as a three-book set in How to Rocket Your Private Investigation Business, the complete series. All can be found at your favorite online retailers in ebook or softcover. Did you know that I also coach private investigators how to survive and thrive in business? Visit my website at www.thepicoach.com. That is thepicoach.com to learn more. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. I'm glad to be here. So, how are life? How's life in Southern California today? Uh, sunny Southern California is rainy and gloomy, but it's still Southern California, so it's probably nicer than where you are. <laughs> that is true. Here in uh, Southern Connecticut today, Southwestern Connecticut, it is chilly, and uh, we've just had one snor- storm uh, go by, and we're going to have another one coming through again this weekend. But that's that's winter, and uh, we're dark and you know, eight hours a day light. You know what it's like. So, yeah. uh, as we record this. 
is today is uh, December 5th, uh, and it's a Thursday, not my normal Friday routine, but and I appreciate you being uh, able to do this on a Thursday for me. So, uh, Mike, when people ask you what you do, what do you tell them? I tell them I'm a private investigator and security <laughs> consultant. Okay. And how long ago did you decide to become a PI, and uh, what did your original idea look like? Well, uh, good question, John. And uh, actually, I... It wasn't so much I decided to become a PI. My dad uh, was a PI and started our company before I was born. So I literally grew up playing in his office when I was a little bit of kid. And uh, I literally grew up in the business. I've, I've known private investigations and security my entire life. And it's what I've, it's the only thing I've done my whole adult life. How about that? And, you know, of the 80 some uh, podcasts that I've had uh, since I started my favorite detective stories back in uh, June of last year, I, I think this is maybe the second time that I've been part of a uh, father son uh, combination. I, I know, uh, I don't know if you know Harvey Morris from uh, uh, California. I mean, it's from uh, Southern Florida, but his, he and his son Ari Morse are yep. in, are in the business. Yes. Well, that's fan- yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, what was the t- what is the what is the practice areas that you uh, focus on primarily, and and uh, can you just kind of walk me through uh, your career? Sure. Uh, currently, the majority, pretty much everything we do is corporate investigations, um, which of course includes different you know, work comp and general liability insurance, defense and fraud, uh, embezzlement, um, any kind of. Uh, civil litigation support. We've done everything from murder to suicide to missing persons, you know, um, you name it. But I would say our specialty and what we're best at after 52 years in business would be the corporate and and civil litigation arena. Um, My dad started the company in 1967. He was in law enforcement and the military uh, for short times and, well, you know, minimum times in both. He was only a cop for for a few years and then decided he didn't want to work for somebody else. So he started the company in Fullerton, California. And like I said, I grew up in the business and, you know, used to go on stakeouts and trash hits, he called them, when you steal the trash and um, interviews and stuff like that when I was just a little kid. So it's pretty much all I know. Um, and then the security side of things, in 2003, we started getting requests to provide security to our clients. You needed to have a different license. In California, it's called a PPO license. If it is uh, security to uh, protect assets, not people, and only people, if it's in conjunction with an ongoing investigation, can somebody with a PI license provide security. So I thought, well, I don't want to turn down business, and these are good clients. So yeah, sure, I, we can do that. So I went and I got my PPO, and the security side of things is really kind of dwarfed everything else now, um, including we do a, tr- a lot of executive protection work for corporate executives, celebrities, workplace violence mitigation, uh, reductions in force, that sort of thing. So there's really, there's three, actually there's four total, but there's three core uh, parts to the business. Uh, the company name is National Business Investigations, Inc. That's the company that my dad started. And then when I when I created the security division, I I called that minders protective services. And a minder is like the European term for bodyguard, but people kept mispronouncing it as minders and that just drove me crazy. So (laughs) I changed it to MPS security and protection. Um, So we've got the uniform security executive protection investigations. And then almost six years ago, I created an active shooter survival training program called Alive. 
And that is where I focus the majority of my time and energy now. Um, it's kind of taken off. I wrote a book a couple of years ago, and really that's where my passion is. So I, I, we still have the investigations. I've got a very competent case manager that, that uh, manages all the investigations and the investigators. Got a very competent um, uniform security manager and then a, an executive protection manager. So I've got a really, really, really good crew of people that I owe my success to, frankly, um, so that I can focus on active shooter. And and you're in that fulfillment ca- uh, category of active shooter, whereas uh, you're the business owner of the other two uh, facets of the business. Would that be a better way of saying it? The business, uh, well, I well, I own all entities. Yes. NBI is the parent company. MPS Security is at the security division. But uh, Alive, which stands for Assess, Leave, Impede, Violence, and Expose, is its own entity. It's an LLC. Okay. Um, I guess I, I didn't really say it right. So that in the day-to-day uh, business, uh, you are the owner of businesses. Yes, all of them. Uh, but take on an uh, wear an owner's hat uh, as it relates to the investigations and with the uh, executive protection and security. But you're more actively involved in the active shooting. Shooter, uh, program as uh, delivering the content and doing that type of thing. Now, is that a better way of saying it? I'm the CEO of, of the investigations and security, so I work on the business, not in the business. But when it comes to Active Shooter, um, I give the majority of the in-person trainings. I created the online program. Um, I talk to the potential clients when they have questions. So I work more in that business than on it, though I do work on it as well. So needless to say, I'm, I'm relatively busy. <laughs> so help me understand a little bit about um, how uh, security work uh, goes uh, and executive protection goes hand in hand with private investigations in terms of uh, fulfilling client uh, needs. Because I've been mostly dealing with uh, private investigators dealing with private investigations. And occasionally I, t- I do talk to someone that is uh, does security or executive protection, but we really don't get into the, the conversation that much about it. So and I do want to spend more time on on your active shooter program, uh, but just just kind of walk me through a little bit of why um, they they tend to go together and what the what the synergies are between investigations and security because I know that's something that um, that some people do but not all and and what you see is the, the pluses and the minuses of it. Sure. Well, you know, they're they're really they're two different services Um, and sometimes they overlap, but not frequently. And in states like California, again, you cannot provide security to people or assets unless you've got a PPO, unless it is, let's say a private investigator is working a case and suddenly uh, the person that their their client receives a threat because the person that you've been hired to investigate uh, finds out and gets upset and says, oh, I'm going to kill you, whatever. The PI then, as long as they're hopefully properly trained and have some experience in it, can um, provide security to that person, to their client, as long as it's in conjunction with a pre-existing investigation. Just offering and providing executive protection is a, is a different service and it's a different license and uh, frankly it's a different skill set so mm-hmm. those two like i said they do overlap once in a while but they're really kind of different things now when it comes to executive protection like i said we do stuff for corporate executives high net worth individuals celebrities a lot of what we do is um reactionary for instance we just did a couple of weeks on somebody that had been threatened and 
we we there was some overlap there actually we did surveillance on the person that had threatened them to so we knew where they were at all times and then we did executive protection for the business owner and even their hr director because that you know the person had been fired and the hr director was kind of in the middle of it so we protected them um, we we put people at the facility so that the rest of the employees who knew that there was a threat would have peace of mind and could work without being you know scared out of their minds mm-hmm. and we did surveillance on the actual um, person that made the threats okay and uh, and it but it also requires uh, when you're marketing to businesses I think uh, it requires two different conversations when you think that to, you know to meet their their need one for investigations one for security and executive protection so but having but having it all underneath one um, in one house uh, offers your clients the opportunity not to have to search elsewhere if you do their investigations work and they and you they happen to know that you do uh, security and executive protection then they can reach out to you that way too and vice versa that if they uh, sure. that if their clients for security and executive protection oh by the way we do investigative work as well so that's just yeah. an, an interesting uh, not dichotomy it's just an interesting uh, way of, of, of expanding uh, service to clients being more of a, a, a real service provider to your clients need and being able to reach across different uh, uh, work or business verticals that's very interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know a way to look at it an illustration would be a law firm um, that has a client it's a company that hey we've got some law that we need you to help with and so a contract law attorney says sure and they work with the contracts and then and then there's hey we've got somebody in default that owes us money and then a you know general business attorney you know files lawsuit they get a, a you know a judgment and then they collect the money and then uh you know one of the attorneys says hey we've got an issue with our employees we need an employment law attorney so it's really kind of it's you know verticals all under the same umbrella or same roof but you know different verticals within the same same kind of general area, which would be, you know, legal investigations and security. Okay. Now you were, you grew into the business and would you say that uh, you were also learning the business side of the business as, as you were learning the investigative craft uh, from at your, at your dad's knee as you were growing up? You know, so that's a good question. And I've actually, I've, I've used my experience to teach a lot of other uh, PIs new and some not so new PIs based on that experience. And, and here's my answer to that. My father, um, you know, my dad did not teach me anything about business and he was not a sophisticated businessman. He was a he was a good, incredibly ethical businessman in that he kept it simple. Uh, he provided a, the best service he possibly could. And he was an amazing investigator mm-hmm. uh, for a fair price with high customer service and built on a relationship. There was no, you know, P&Ls. There was no fancy keeping track of this and business books or any kind of formal education. And my dad, he passed away very suddenly in 1997. Kind of a thank you, kind of a rare heart thing that happened. And he was only 57 years old. So I had working for him. I know. I had been working for him, you know, since I was 16 years old, basically. Um, Or at least that's when he started paying me. And, um... But he never, and he taught me by example, and he taught me investigations, and he taught me executive protection, but he really didn't teach me business. And he didn't have a formal education in business. He had he had what he knew and what he learned by owning a business. So when he passed away, I was suddenly the owner and only licensee <clears throat> able to continue the business with zero business experience, except for what I had learned by observing my father. 
And so I set out to teach myself business because I knew that if I was going to keep this thing going, I'm, I, would, I would need to know this stuff. I wasn't just a PI. I wasn't just an EP guy. I was not just a technician. I was now a businessman who knew nothing about business. So I spent, you know, every year after that learning about business through a multitude of different vehicles uh, and was probably fortunate to have the kind of people around me and mentors and resources available to do that. But it wasn't easy. And uh, it was I, I, some pretty hard lessons. I made I made some mistakes, but, you know, I learned from them. So there were lessons, not necessarily mistakes. Well, and that's what I try to say. They are, too. A uh, uh, mistake is just an uh, is just the first step in learning. And uh, but so could you talk about a few of them that uh, I mean, I'm not trying to embarrass you here. I just want to ask about some things that you thought things were this way and they turned out to be something else or you thought you could do something one way, but learned that you had to do it a different way. Um, you know, I, I can't really think of any significant or specific lessons uh, as far as like monumental things. I will tell you that I at one point while I was had my business decided I would buy a gym because I always wanted to buy a gym because I was always kind of a, uh, a gym rat. And mm -hmm. I learned some really hard lessons there. But um, those are different lessons. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just learned the importance of uh, the personal relationships with your customers. Um, I learned about integrity. Well, I knew about integrity, but it was tested many times. And, and I saw what a lack of integrity looked like by other people that I dealt with, not just not just employees and subcontractors, but with clients as well. Uh, I had things reinforced. My dad was kind of a Boy Scout, which I respect and appreciated. You know, he was all about doing the right thing for the right reasons all mm -hmm. the time. And so when I had the opportunities to do the wrong reasons, the wrong things for the wrong reasons, and I chose not to, it was reinforced down the road why that was the right thing to do. So I have, you know, I, I, I feel very strongly about ethics in business and in, mm. in, I teach, I've taught classes about that uh, in the executive protection and investigations world. Uh, so I can say that probably some of the lessons that I learned were based in reinforcing what my what I learned from my dad through osmosis by watching him rather than just being sat down and said, this is how you do things. Sure. Uh, the, so those were pretty, pretty strong lessons. And that's probably why I've been fortunate enough to to be where I am in this industry. Um, you know, I've, I've been I was the president of the California Association of Licensed Investigators on the board for 10 years. I was vice president of National Council for Investigative Security Services. World Association of Detectives. I have, I have been involved in, you know, industry associations on the on the corporate on the board level with some of the best people in the business. Probably because I didn't screw up too bad or <laughs> I didn't make any decisions that hurt my reputation. And that was, I will honestly tell you, was learned from my dad. You know, my dad right. was a Boy Scout. He was all about loyalty and integrity and customer service and doing the right things. And that is something I learned. And thank goodness I did, because yeah. it's a small industry, both executive protection and investigations. You know, I know a lot of the players in the industry after 34 years or whatever it's been. And we all know each other. And, and if you do something unethical, 
it travels very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can get a bad name pretty easily. So I've been fortunate enough not to make any of those mistakes. No, I understand. And and my question was more to the fact of uh, thinking about maybe, I know for myself, an example, I, I went to a conference uh, in 1998. I was uh, uh, two years into my business at that point in time. And I went as an attendee to sit in a chair and listen to uh, the training. Now that's fine and well, okay. But did I miss out on all the marketing opportunities <laughs> when I was there? Did I have a, a decent, uh, did I have any decent collateral to bring with me, uh, handouts or business cards? Was gotcha. I, you know, was I doing anything to help uh, grow my business? No, I wasn't. I was just, gotcha. I, I was a guy with my butt in the seat learning uh, stuff. I was learning my field craft and not really uh, going out there and, and putting myself out as uh, independent, at the time it was independent special investigations, to uh, 90% of the attendees there were could have been potential clients. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. so that's why I, I said that. And, and it took me... Uh, uh, a long time. And, and as I speak tomorrow, I'm, I'm attending an all day uh, event where uh, the uh, lawyers in Connecticut all get together to get their uh, their continuing legal education credits all in one fell swoop. Uh, I'll have a booth. I'll have a signage. I'll have a, a nice uh, skirt on the table. Hopefully, uh, I will you know, have my hair combed and a nice uh, suit and a tie, and uh, I'll be there to see my uh, existing clients. I'll be there to uh, you know, shake hands with people that I've sh- shaken hands with at other conferences for years, and uh, maybe some of those people might decide this is the year that they're going to work with me. So that type of thing, you know, I, where I was, I would be in, in more engaged and rather than just attending and watching the class. Do you see what I'm saying? So that was, that's the example that I, I offer back just in, in the way of not knowing what where some of the opportunities opportunities were to uh, be in the business more than being in the craft. And is that a fair, okay. fair statement? Yeah. So now yeah, I understand what you're saying. And now, now I kind of get the vein where we're going and I definitely have some opinions on that. And I touched a little bit on it as far as, you did. You know, being learning to be in a, a business, a businessman or a business person and not just a technician, not just mm-hmm. an investigative EP guy. Uh, and I've, you know, I've taught classes and mentored some people, and I always tell them, in fact, I learned this from one of my mentors and one of the founders of the California Association of Licensed Investigators. He said, uh, it is better uh, to be a good business, a great businessman and a, and a good investigator than to be a good businessman and a great investigator. Because you could be the greatest private investigator in the world, and if you're not a good businessman, you're probably not going to last very long. So mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities uh, to network. So, you know, new new PIs starting out, I am happy to give them advice. One is if you're coming from law enforcement, uh, you better shake that uh that thing where you believe that uh, because you had a badge, people are going to tell you what you want to know, because unfortunately, the private sector, that isn't, um, you got to finesse it out of them um, and learn to be a businessman. Take classes, read books, uh, listen to podcasts mm-hmm. <laughs> like this. Learn from people who've done it. And the book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, you know, they say, identify what you want to be find someone who's done it and then go do what they did. Don't reinvent the wheel. And, and so read the books and listen to the podcasts and learn to be a good businessman because there's so many opportunities that you'll pass up, you know, join your state association, go to the local meetings and go to the annual uh, annual conference because of all of the networking opportunities. 
And a new PI, they're probably going to be better off marketing, like you said, marketing to other PIs so they can get subcontract work and build a reputation and build a clientele and and learn and practice their new trade if they came out of law enforcement or their new PI from anything. Uh, and that's where you're going to find your clients with other PIs because you can subcontract a lot more work for a little bit less money than going out and getting your own clients right away. That's true. So, and, and, and to the point of, uh, and then you find out what your niche is, what you like to do. You can become a specialist in that and you can start learning how to uh, reach out to that clientele with a, uh, a message uh, that helps meet their needs with your skills. And as long as you can replicate that and scale it, that's a marketing plan. So yeah, I, I agree with with you. I think that's a great suggestion. And I think that if you can, if you don't have an idea, like you said, of what coming right out of the gate of what you're going to do and who you're going to market, being a subcontractor to other PIs is a great idea because you get to sample different kinds of work and you get to see how other PIs interact with their clients and you get to see how the, the workflows go. And it's a, it's really a, a good way to learn on the job while you're doing it and until you're able to then uh, test the waters yourself. So that's, that, that's the thing I was kind of going with with my example, and I'm glad you picked up on it and gave me some good uh, tips there. And those were wonderful. Um, so yeah, the rest of the uh, the time we're going to talk here today is about uh, your passion, and that's uh, the active shooter. Uh, and that's what drew, drew me to you in the first place. And I wanted to uh, hear much, much more about this. So please just tell me about it and tell me uh, as much as you can and how you started and what you do and how you reach out to people and how does it work? You bet. Be happy to. Um, so th- this whole thing originated probably six years ago when I when I kept hearing about these active shooters, active killers, and I even saw videos of some some events that happened, and I became frustrated, really kind of angry. I mean, I was I got pissed off. I was like, why are these people dying? Why are they being why are they victims to these these predators, these cowards who have, you know, don't have the coping skills to deal with their lives. So they're going to, you know, take their their issues out on everybody else. And I thought, well, what are they doing wrong? And so after watching some videos and reading the stories and so forth, it I just realized that people they were they were oftentimes doing nothing. And when they did do something, sometimes it was the wrong thing. And I thought, well, how do you not know the right thing to do? How do you not know that you can't do nothing? How do you not know, you know, where to go, what to do? And frankly, it was I don't want to say arrogant. It was ignorant on my part because I grew up in an environment with a former law enforcement, former military, private investigation, security father who literally lived 24 seven in that mindset. So I just assumed that that was normal. And I realized that people, they didn't know what to do because no one had ever taught them. They didn't know how to think because nobody ever taught them how to think. It was, it's not just something you're born with. Luckily, I had that growing up. And I... I thought, well, I got to I got to do something because I know what to do. And if I can teach them what to do, then everyone will be better off. So I started going to, you know, active shooter survival training programs and I attended uh, the, when I when I decided to start my own, I attended the Alice instructor uh, program and I was sitting in the two day Alice instructor program. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Alice has a good product, but they were the very first guys on the block. And the first version of everything it is not usually perfect. And that's normal with everything. The first year a car comes out, the first version of anything, it gets better every year. And I went through the, the course and I thought, wait a minute, there's some there's some issues here. There's some things that I personally think could be better. And I said, well, why am I going to teach someone else's course when I can just create my own? 
So that's when I started uh, devising the the ALIVE uh, acronym, which, like I said, stands for Assess, Leave, Impede, Violence, and Expose. And I created this program. I became incredibly passionate about it because I thought, hey, I'm going to I'm going to solve my own anxiety over this by teaching people how to survive. And I thought for sure in my heart someday something I taught them will help them in some way. Well, I had no idea that a couple, three years later, it was going to actually do what I intended it to do. And that was help a woman who was a student of mine previously. Uh, She was an employee of a company that hired me to come teach her employees. And I got an email from her on a Saturday morning and I said, you probably don't remember me, but, you know, this is my name. And this is when I went through your course, when I worked at such and such. And. She said, I never, I just, of course, it was great. You know, I enjoyed the course, but I never thought I would use it. And in fact, never thought about it again a day after the I took the course until on October 1st, 2017 at the um, 91, Route 91 Music Festival in Las mm-hmm. Vegas when, you know, I was there with my boyfriend and all of a sudden all hell broke loose. And so she told me the story in the email. Well, I ended up reaching out to her because I was like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, this is why I did this. This is why I created this program. And I literally, she said, I believe it was your training that saved our lives. So I got a hold of her. She ended up coming to my office with her boyfriend. She told me the whole story, which she said she had not really been able to talk about since that day. She broke down crying. I got emotional. You know, it was just really, really intense. And, you know, she thanked me and said that my, you know, the training saved her life. And and then the, the news ended up getting a hold of it somehow. And, and they did a story on it and it kind of blew up from there. But, you know, when that happened, when somebody says something you did saved my life or you saved my life, or whatever it I'll tell you, it's a feeling. I would say the only thing close to it is actually giving life. And I only know that because I I, uh, contributed but didn't actually give birth (laughs) to my children. But it's still, you know, knowing that I had something to do with creating those lives was was pretty impactful. And then somebody said, hey, I think I would have been dead if it wasn't for you. That That changed everything for me. It was a total game changer. I said, okay. If I can do this for one person, I can do it for more, and I'm, that's what I'm going to do. So I kind of turned over the day-to-day operations to my executive team. Thank goodness I have very competent people, and I started focusing solely on that. So I wrote the book. Um, and, and tell me the name of the book, please. The book is 10 Minutes to Live. Surviving an active shooter using live. And the reason it says 10 minutes to live is because 99% of active shooter, active assailant incidences are over in less than 10 minutes. And some of the highest body counts were 10 minutes exactly like Virginia Tech, like uh, like Las Vegas. And so what I teach is um, 10 minutes. If you, your goal is to last 10 minutes, most of them are over in less than five. Yeah. But you, I want you focused on the end game, that which is surviving 10 minutes. You need to have the hope with the knowledge that comes with the fact that it will not last longer than 10 minutes and you can do this. And so I, you know, a lot of courses teach mostly functionality, you know, method, you know, run, hide, fight. Uh, I believe that mindset is just as important, if not more so, when it comes to surviving an active shooter, because you could know how to physically do something. But if your heart isn't in it, if you're if you're not prepared mentally to do it, you're not going to be as effective. So that's kind of my thing. I, I, that's how I separate myself from a lot of the other courses is because I teach uh, mindset and method as equal factors in, in survival. So so I did that and, uh, you know, I thought, OK, the book's great and it's sold well and got really good reviews. And then I thought, but you know what? Not everybody's going to buy the book. Not everybody wants to pay me to come, you know, 
teach their people. I had one client that had 500 employees in 13 different states, and they're not going to, it would just put it wouldn't have been cost effective. So I thought, well, maybe I should do an online course. So I created an online course um, and it was three hours long and it's very comprehensive. It's basically my entire in-person presentation. And then I started hearing, I can't get my people off the line or take them out of production for three hours. So then I cut it down and now I have a one hour course, an accelerated course. So between those two courses, it's doing very, very well. And and I'm getting a lot of uh, really good feedback. So I'm kind of living out. It's almost like a second career for me because after 30 plus years of being a PI and security guy, frankly, I was getting a little bit burned out, as you mm-hmm. can imagine. No, I understand. Yeah. So this is like a, a, a new breath of fresh air. No, I have a couple questions. And uh, the initial course that you, you attended that was like a prototype, uh, you used an acronym. And I, I didn't know what the, uh, a, uh, a list, I think it was. I didn't understand it. Alice. Alice. Yeah. And what's Alice. that what's that stand for? Um, Alice is, uh, let's see, Alice Training Institute. Hold on one second. I can't remember. But I, one thing I didn't like is the the acronym. The, the steps are not in the order that I believe they should be in as far as um, okay. consideration. And by the way, I just I don't want to get into bashing any of my competition no, because they have very good job. So I'm going to be very careful about that. But um, I, I know that, that like the E, which is at the end of Alice, I believe stands for evacuate, which when really that's kind of the first thing uh, you're supposed to do. Okay. So um, that was one of the reasons I thought, well, people should think about these these letters in the proper chronological order. But Alice is, Alice is a training institute that uh, an ex-cop from Texas and his former educator wife created over 20 years ago. Okay. It it's done a it's done a great job. Um, they just sold it for a whole bunch of money to a um, to a private um, private equity company or whatever um, an investment company. Okay. And so he did very very well for himself. And and they they were great. I just believe that mine's better. Well, no, <laughs> listen, I, I wasn't asking you to bash. It's just that anytime anyone comes on and, and gives me an abbreviation or an acronym, uh, I know I don't under, if I don't know it, I know my listeners may not either, and that's why I ask. But it's the Alice uh, program, and that's what that's what we need to know. The second thing was, um, I hate to say it, but there's so many mass shootings, and you mentioned the the one that uh, your lady uh, that was in one of your classes was at, and that was was that the one where the shooter was up in the uh, the Mandalay uh, Hotel, up in a in a room and shooting down onto the crowd with the with the guns with bump stock. Is that is that the one yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, he was on the 32nd, I believe, or 33rd floor of Mandalay Bay, shooting into a mass of thousands of people who, you know, didn't even know what was happening at first. They thought it was fireworks okay. uh, because unfortunately a lot of people, they've only heard gunshots on television. So a lot of people heard the cracking and thought it was fireworks when in fact it was actually gunshots. And so it wasn't even taken seriously right away. And then when they realized what was going on, there was mass panic and people being, you know, right stampeded over and it was just a very very horrible situation 58 people um, died over 500 were injured and he ended up killing himself which by the way is typical with these uh, more than 50 percent of active killers kill themselves uh, and as the uh, as security and law enforcement closing in on him I believe if I'm not mistaken yeah I I uh, just had to ask about that because I, I thought that's the one you were talking about but I wanted to be sure and I think for my uh, my listeners I wanted them to be sure that that's the one 
one we were talking about as well. Um, nice job on explaining your program. Uh, nice job on explaining why you did it and, and what it, why it's important to you. I know that for me, after 42 years of investigation, I felt it was time for me to do something different. That's the podcast. Um, I've been doing some fiction writing uh, as a hobby, and now it's getting more serious. Uh, I am coaching private investigators in, in the business part of the business, not so much to field craft. And these are my ways of, you know, meeting my passion. So trust me, I understand what you're saying when you talk about wanting to, to do something that you're passionate about, almost as a uh, encore career, so to speak. And I think that's, uh, that's wonderful. So what's next for you, Mike? What is next for me? It's mm-hmm. a great question, John. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm ready for the what's next. My son is a Marine, and uh, he it is his desire to take over the company one day, which I think is great. So it will be a third-generation PI and security company, and he he's a presidential guard, so he will literally come out of the Marine Corps with more formal security education than I ever had. And I also told him, take business classes while you're in. Mm-hmm. So he will come out with a with an education in security and business and probably take the, the business to the next level so I can retire before I'm 60, which would be <laughs> really nice. Yay. Yeah. That's, a, that's great. I'm glad that you, he can do that and you can do that with him. And I know that feeling as well. Um, my son and I started working together the, the way your son, your father and you worked together. You were, uh, when you were helping him out on surveillances and being a second car and doing gopher work for him, that's what my son did for me way, way, way back in the day when he was 16, 17 years old. And then over the years, uh, he worked with me and then he worked for some other people and then he'd come back and, you know, we, we would work together. But in the last iteration now, he's going to be taking over the business in a few years. So dad can do what dad wants to do. Now, I'm a little bit older than you, Mike, but uh, I'm just so happy to be able to to do what you're doing with your son. That's fantastic. And that's great. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about Alive? Um, and, and then also, uh, what, what can people, uh, where can people reach you if they want to learn more about your business? Sure. So the websites, um, the investigations website is investigations dash or hyphen uh, N like Nancy, B like boy, I like Ida. It's actually nationalbusinessinvestigations.com. So investigations dash NBI.com. Security is security dash MPS.com. And then Alive, and it's a long one, is activeshootersurvivaltraining.com. And you can buy the book there. You can get more information on the online courses. Uh, you can get a, you know, talk to me if you want to hire me to come do the, the in-person. Now, one cool thing is I had just the end of this year, a couple months ago, I had an uh, instructor certification course and I had guys from all over the country come out, spend two days learning how to be an, an alive instructor. So I'm duplicating myself, which is good because frankly, I don't want to travel as much as I did last year. Mm-hmm. So I've now got, uh, instructors, um, all over the country. So uh, we're, we're much more available for the in-person trainings. That's fantastic. I'm so happy that you came on the podcast with me today. I'm I'm so happy to hear your journey. Um, I love the fact that uh, you uh, started at your father's knee and uh, now you're going to be passing it on to your son and that you found something that you really are passionate about after 30 some years of being an investigator that you can now really sink your teeth into with Alive. And now you're spreading that gospel as well. And you have the book. So this is all great stuff. And I'm really, really happy that you came on with me today. If there's anything I forgot you want to mention now, uh, 
for, or forever hold your peace? <laughs> uh, I would just say to any budding PIs, um, you know, be ethical, learn business, and you'll probably be very, very successful. And um, it's a good profession. You know, it's a really good. There's, It's like everything. There's good and there's bad. So be one of the good ones. That's a good way to end it. Okay, Mike, I, thank you so much. I certainly appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure, John. Thank you for listening. I hope that I've earned your interest and your time. Please leave any comments on the website, www.johnhoda.com. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. My guest next week is Mark Bergen. Mark graduated from Boston University with a degree in journalism, then worked four years as a newspaper reporter and photographer, winning the Virginia Press Association Award for general news reporting before joining the Alexandria, Virginia Police Department in 1986. Twice named Police Officer of the Year for Narcotics and robbery investigations, he served in most of the posts described in Apprehension, his debut novel, and he rose to the rank of lieutenant. Kirkus Reviews calls Apprehension compelling and said Bergen is a gritty and authentic new voice in police fiction. Mark lives in Alexandria and Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, with his wife Ruth, an attorney and former public defender. They have two children. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear other great detective stories, please go to the website and click on our podcast page. There you'll find the backlist. Now you're probably asking, John, what about your own stories? Do you have any? Sure enough, I do. And they are available to you free as a download right to your inbox. I have eight short stories and eight vignettes in a book titled Mugshots, my favorite detective stories. Now here's my ask. If you were either informed, inspired, or entertained by the stories today, don't be bashful. Share this link with your friends. Better still, go to the iTunes website and leave a review. It's the best way to grow the circle around our campfire. If you have any questions, please contact me through the website, www.johnhoda.com, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. Thanks so much, and have a great day.